my name's Tim O'Connor and with me is my colleague Adam Montgomery. Hi. Thank you, Adam. And um, we're going to go through a summary of this topic, um, focusing on the assessment criteria that will bring out the main learning outcomes that will be most likely to be tested in the APMP exam. Um, so to begin with, just have a look at the roles of um, the project manager and the project sponsor in particular and have a look and see what their responsibilities are and how they're meant to work together. So to begin with, we can, we'll uh, have a look at the project manager. Um, so Adam, um, what are some of the key responsibilities that the project manager has associated with him or hers role? Yeah, so kind of struggled to get to the end of that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you're going to leave in a bit before. Um, well, there's some very specific duties. I mean, uh, broadly speaking, of course, the project manager is there to manage the project on a day-to-day -day basis. So the steering group or project board tend to be stepping in uh, as decisions are required, taking quite a high-level view of the project. But the project manager uh, is very much running it day-to-day. -day. So the question is then, what, what does that involve? Very specifically, you're delegating work out uh, to the teams, to the team members or team managers, if, if there are any um, so you're you're asking instructing teams to get on with work um, and then you're monitoring the progress of that work so they should be regularly reporting back to you and, and raising um, uh, problems issues risks and so on with you um, so that's the first primary thing um, and in turn as well as uh, delegating down you're reporting up of course to the steering group um, so regular progress reports on on how things are going it's certainly a specific duty of the project manager to manage risk um, so that is something they're tasked with that they, they may well be given a tolerance uh, by the steering group and they have to make sure that risk remains uh, managed within that and who's who's regarded as being the primary risk taker in the project the primary risk taker that'll be the sponsor well, what's that, what does that mean really the primary risk taker yeah well it, it's because they uh, essentially they're uh, the person who is deciding that the project should continue so if they're saying this is a project my organization should be undertaking uh, should be investing in and it's viable and worthwhile and they're responsible for identifying and realizing the benefits it will bring to that organization essentially they're taking the risk that that might not happen so that's what it's about they are they are taking the risk of continuing with that project yeah and also setting the the tolerances in which, as you said, uh, the project manager ought to um, ought to work, and so having some kind of scoring system, perhaps yeah. um, we'll see more about this in the, the risk uh, section, and also different areas of risk. I mean, like anything, for instance, that would have an effect on the reputation of the of the the organisation, it ought to be clear to the project manager that that's not that's not something that should be managed within the project. No. That that should be all, um, escalated up to the sponsor in the first instance, and then most likely escalated beyond the sponsor up to his or her line manager. Absolutely, and talking of escalating to the sponsor, um, uh, the fourth very specific duty of a, a project manager is to make sure that issues are raised up to uh, the, the sponsor and the steering group uh, for dealing with. And uh, just in case anyone's listening who's uh, studied Prince 2 before, an issue, forget everything you, you learnt about issues there. Uh, issues are a different thing here, and we'll be covering them in the podcast entitled Issues. Yeah, um, and well you've got people in suspense now but it just really just means <laughs> something that requires escalation so yeah. escalation between different levels of management so they have to escalate issues up uh, and the other thing is the um, project manager is responsible for producing the the project management plan the PMP yes, so as we as its owner. talked about earlier they're not necessarily going to write it all but they're certainly responsible for, for getting it done um, 
so they're, they're, they're I think certainly the key uh, specific responsibilities of the project manager um, of course it may be they're involved in uh, administering the, the project if, if there's no support there from a project office or what have you and obviously keeping the team motivated and together yeah so um, using techniques for um, team developments again things that we'll cover in later topics hmm. so should we move on to the sponsor so yeah. I had a bit of a go there at the project manager why don't you have a bit of a go, bit of a go at the sponsor bit of a go at the sponsor um, not something we necessarily recommend <laughs> yeah so with the um, the sponsor as the name sponsor suggests really this is the individual who's prepared to put their name to the project um, so they should be an advocate for it because there'll be some individuals some stakeholders who require persuasion so for key stakeholders in particular um, liaising with them should be a sponsor role and quite often in projects the sponsor can just expect the project manager to do everything on his or her behalf um, and the sponsor role works best if the person who's carrying out that role is properly engaged in the project um, so it is meant to be um, an active management role not just um, a title um, so they ought to be able to work within uh, or work across functional boundaries which is particularly important in certain organisational structures like for instance a matrix so the sponsor may have to involve themselves in conflict resolution on behalf of the project manager um, in particularly in the context of a weak matrix the sponsor ought to have a reasonable amount of uh, of knowledge of project management um, and if they don't which sometimes they don't they're, just, they're a senior figure in the business they ought to delegate to people that they have and so there's an assurance function that can act on behalf of the sponsor and in part one of the things that they can do is to check that the project manager is managing the project satisfactorily that he or she is actually following the rules as I mentioned a little bit earlier on it's the sponsor who's the primary risk taker so he or she sets the threshold of acceptable risk and so if that's known to the project manager then it will just be an automatic escalation if that threshold is forecast to be exceeded if there's going to be one document above all others that the sponsor would be most interested in, it would be the business case. Absolutely. Um, by golly, yes. Um, which is weighing cost against benefits and also the risk to achieving both. So at gate reviews in particular, that business case should be looked at to see whether or not it's worthwhile investing further in, um, in the project because there's always going to be several demands placed upon the money and the context that envelops the project might change. Um, say, for instance, with the economic downturn from 2008 onwards, even something that would look really good in, on paper in 2007, all of a sudden, um, would not. And so that was evidenced by any number of abandoned um, building projects that you see throughout the country. Um, as Adam mentioned, issues may be escalated from the project manager up to the sponsor, so something that the project manager um, isn't empowered to deal with. And so rather than just sitting on that, the sponsor ought to do something about it. And it's the sponsor who represents the business perspective on the steering group, and so as a consequence risks relating to the business ought to be identified and brought into the project by the sponsor so a fair few responsibilities but they're not intended to be involved on a day-to-day -day basis because the sponsor contracts the project manager to act as an agent on their behalf um, but they ought not to be invisible either so it can be a delicate balance yeah have you ever had an invisible sponsor yeah, yeah. Well, usually they have to wear a hat and bandages, um, so you can actually see them. Um, but oh, it's very tricky. You end up sitting on them and everything. So. <laughs> Messy. Right. Okay. So uh, as I say, they're two of the primary uh, assessment criteria here. Uh, explain the role, key responsibilities, project manager, and also look at how that differs from that of the project sponsor. 
the other thing I think we need to discuss here is some of the other roles. So we'll, we'll talk briefly about the roles of users, team members, and the, the steering group or, or project board, as you may know them. Um, so um, is it worth just talking about this little hierarchy first, do you think? Yeah, little hierarchy. Yes, a little hierarchy of uh, of how the who reports to who within the the organisational structure. Yeah, um, so it mirrors the standard line management structure in any organisation, really, where team members report to team managers, team managers report to the project manager, the project manager reports to the steering group, and in particular the project sponsor, who is the chair of that steering group. So, as I mentioned before, the sponsor represents the needs of the business on the steering group, but there are two other interests that have to be represented there, so the users and suppliers. So the idea of having all three of those interests represented is that it's not tilted too far towards one of them. When decisions are made, they're made collectively. So um, the sponsor representing the business is most interested in value. The users really be about quality, functionality, because they're going to be using the deliverables for months and years after the project is finished. And then the suppliers, in a large part, are about feasibility. So because they've been contracted to do the work, it's likely that this work is bread and butter to them, so they've done it lots of times before, and so as a consequence, they ought to bring with them an awful lot of identified risks, assumptions, dependencies, those kinds of things. So they've got a very valuable contribution um, when it comes to steering group meetings. Yeah, so uh, that's right. So the, the steering group then made up three roles, users, supplier, and sponsor. Um, the users, uh, particularly... Uh, as as Tim mentioned, they're interested in the quality of the product. So, how do they get involved with that? They're there to specify the requirements, really, of uh, the project from from their point of view. So, user requirements, and then they like to be involved in testing that those requirements have been met later on, and uh, uh, likely to have some some say in acceptance as well. So, in IT, many of you, I'm sure, know of some user acceptance testing and so on. Um, the suppliers, as you mentioned, is a lot of it's about feasibility. It's worth mentioning not all suppliers are external. When we tend to think of suppliers, a lot of us would think about, you know, a contractor. If you're working at the MOD, it might be BAE or, or something like that. But uh, of course, you can have internal suppliers as well. So if I want a new website built for my department, I trundle down the corridor, see the web developers uh, on that product for the purposes of that project. They become defined as supplier. I am the the, the customer. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's how the project board is made up. Um, team members, we should probably define them. Yeah, so they'll be arguably the most important people in the project, really, the people that actually are doing yeah. the stuff of the project. So these are people that are building things. Um, and so as a consequence, um, their motivation, their productivity, um, their reporting um, demands ought to be paid attention to. Um, so... If you don't get the proper information coming from the team members being conveyed up to the team managers, then ultimately the project manager can't really be in control of the project. Mm. So when it comes to plans and scheduling that we'll see a little bit later um, in the course, actually, well, here a little bit later in the podcast, um, then a lot of that is going to be based upon the productivity of the team members doing the work. So team building exercises and motivational skills, all those kind of things are particularly suitable when it comes to dealing with team members. So rafts mainly... Mainly, mainly building yeah. rafts, ropes. ropes, high ropes, yeah, balloons and, and paint. balloons, yeah, okay. All those things will lift the spirits of anybody. Yeah. 
So uh, I think that sort of brings us to the end of that topic. Um, I think it's just worth mentioning, though, at the end of this topic, that um, roles, uh, you, you may get distinct questions just referring to the exam now. You may get distinct questions on, on you know, list describe number of roles, etc. cetera. Uh, it may be, of course, that, that even if there isn't a specific question about uh, number of roles, something like the roles in a project, a bit like the life cycle and, and you know, what is a project, uh, this is stuff that you could probably permeate through many questions. So any question you answer, you're likely to have to talk about the different roles and their involvement, or at least by talking about them, you're likely to pick up more points and so on. Hmm. Yeah, because it's one of the most important topics, really, because a lot of the topics are concentrating on what things are and how they are done, but this answers the question, who? Um, so it needs to be clear about who does what. Um, so it is likely to be a topic that will be tested in some way, I think. Good. All right. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, Adam. Goodbye.